Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined by Jacob Johnson, of course. Hello everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We've got a lot to talk about today. We are breaking down four, count it, four chapters today in, I called them chapters, not episodes. Yes, I'm getting better at this. In <laughs> The Lion, the Wish, and the Wardrobe, we take the small victories where we can. Um, and uh, yeah, we're reading through uh, chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14 today. Um, I know that seems like a lot. And I'm sure to a lot of you, you're like, oh my goodness, you're reading through four chapters a week. Like, come on, we don't have time to process all this. Um, but I know it's a lot of information, but we do want to get through these books because like add to this, the fact that they are fairly well known. A lot of other people have discussed them as well. We wanted to go through these books for quite a few different reasons. One, I wanted an excuse to chat with my pastor once a month. Um, but then also <laughs> <laughs> to chat on the show with my pastor once a month, like this is a great excuse to do it. But also um, the, these are tremendous books. And we weren't sure if they were on everyone's radar or if everyone had the same appreciation for them that we do. But we also wanted to gain a deeper appreciation for them ourselves. So that's that's there's a lot of folds to these, this equation of why we selected the books that we did. Um, so, yes, I know we're going quickly, but I hope we aren't completely like not doing justice to these books by going as quickly through them as we are. Anywho. Uh, four chapters today. We've got a lot to discuss. And if you've been following along, you'll know that by the end of this episode, you will be left in suspense. This is the climax. This is the ba ba the big, the big thing in the story. If you, if you know Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe offhandedly, and you haven't read it, and you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's the one where where this happens. This is where this happens. So. Um, we're going to leave you in suspense at the end of this episode. But before we, we do that, you know, horribly leave you in, in really sad suspense, we're going to uh, first talk about our verse of the week because that's what we do every episode. And it's Wednesday, so that means Jake does that today. So take it away, dude. <laughs> yeah, and our verse this week is Psalms 47, 6 through 8. And it says, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with the psalm. God reigns over the earth. God sits on his holy throne. Uh, and I feel like it should be Amen. ended there with another sing praises. But um, <laughs> uh, but I really like this, this one. And I think Bruce touched on this very briefly on Monday. And I sort of feel like I shouldn't be the one going through this, but instead Bruce, because this is a very... Um, this is a topic Bruce loves the most, and I feel like it's taking away one of his uh, greatest topics <laughs> that he could be talking about. But I oh will boy. continue on. And something I, while I was doing research on this verse to present it to uh, our audience, uh, I was going through Calvin's commentary, and he brings up this amazing, and, and phrases it in probably one of the best ways, um, but I will read it straight from Calvin's mouth, or at least his writing. Um to what he says instead of me butchering it. But he says in, in his <laughs> commentaries, he no doubt speaks of knowledge uh, in the art of music, but he requires at the same time the worshipers of God to sing the, song, sing the praises of God intelligently. 
that there may not be the mere sound of tongues, as we know to be the case among, case among the papists. <clears throat> Knowledge of what is sung is required in order to engage in proper in a proper manner in the singing of the psalms, that the name of God may not be profaned, as it would certainly be were there nothing more than just the voice which melts away or is dissolved in the air. Again, that comes from Calvin's commentaries. And I think this is perfect uh, to say, and this is amazing, that he would make the, the summation that by singing mere words and just singing without any skillful or intelligence, that you're singing, and by doing that, you are profaning God's name through just singing, basically. Singing skillfully, singing um, intelligently, as he says, is how we glorify God's name by singing these praises. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's amazing for him to put it in that light. And I, again, I, I feel like I'm taking away from Bruce because he's <laughs> talked about this a bunch. If what, I would let it be... anyone take away a subject from me, it would be you, Jake. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that, yeah. that was good. Uh, hopefully yeah, that no, was I think worthy that was enough. great. <laughs> yeah you did it dude you did it and um yeah it's it's that's such a great it's such a great topic and there's there's so much to music right music is one of the one of the few things that is so core to our being that every generation has had it every generation doesn't matter what time you lived in history music has been was a part of your life in some shape or form and that's the way we were created. That's the way we, we are. And so for an entire book, and as we said on, on Monday, one of the largest books in the Bible to be full of music and full mm -hmm. of lyrics to sing that I, I think, hey, maybe God left it, didn't leave us with the actual music so that we would have an opportunity in each generation to write the music for these words. But we have this inspired songbook. Let's use it. And as Calvin articulates well here, and as Jacob brought in uh, tremendously, the important part of this is skillfully, right? Sing skillfully, play skillfully on the strings, as it says in, I think it's Psalm 32. So there is so much to this topic. And we, we have spent an entire episode on this, and we'll probably spend another two or three over the years as we go, because I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, so let's move into our chapters for this week. We, as I said earlier, are going through chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14. Lots to chat about here. Chapter 11, as is the custom. I don't know where this tradition got started. I don't even know if it's a good tradition, but I'm going to continue it anyways, because who am I to break tradition? I'm going to read the titles. <laughs> um, chapter 11, uh, the title is Aslan is Nearer. Go ahead. I think that tradition was started by you. I think it was, and I don't know why, but it just it's a thing that I can't stop myself from. I certainly stuff. didn't tell you to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's 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 comforting. Um <laughs> chapter tw <laughs> chapter 12 is Peter's first battle. Chapter 13 is Deep Magic from the Dawn of Time. Chapter 14 is you guessed it, The Triumph of the witch or maybe you didn't guess it but you guessed something along those lines because that is probably the darkest episode this chapter no i, I was you did it so again well. i know the darkest chapter in this book 
Okay, so to do some of these chapters, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that word over and over again to get it into my thick skull. To do these chapters justice, uh, I went through some of these and highlighted some key phrases, some key quotes, things that um, I knew would kind of jog my memory a little bit. So first, or jog we'll mine. move into, or yeah, well, we were doing this thing in the pre-show. We were just kind of joking where we're like, okay, let me just read a quote. What does that do for you? Does, you remember anything? <laughs> anything come to mind? I'm going to read this yeah. and then you speak. <laughs> and we'll take turns off and on doing that. Um, but anyways, a quote that I really liked right at the beginning of the chapter. And I started reading the chapter and this was, I was like, oh my goodness, this is really interesting. I read it out loud and Jake was like, oh, we need to talk about that. So here it is. <laughs> quote, beginning of the chapter. Um, uh, this quote says, Edmund, meanwhile, had been having a most disappointing time. When the dwarf had gone to get the sledge ready, he expected that the witch would start being nice to him, as she had uh, been at their last meeting. But she said nothing at all. Um, so it's it's interesting, Jake, you were talking about how, um, you know, it's the idea that the, the devil hates us, right? The, the, the nefarious movie brought that in. I'll let you articulate that in a second if you want to. Um, but there, there is no like rewarding of the people that are on your side. Think about a normal battle. Think about an average battle between two countries, if you will. Those, the generals in those two countries, do they like and care about the people under them or don't they? Do they reward the people under them for good behavior, doing what they want them to do or not? Yes, no, that's a human behavior. If someone's doing something you like, if they're doing exactly what you told them to do, you reward that. I mean, it's, that's typical human behavior, but the devil is not human. He does not reward his followers for doing what he wants because mm -hmm. he hates even the ones who do what he wants them to. He hates the fact that we exist in the image of God. And so even when they do what he wants them to do, it, it's still, he still hates them just as much as he hates the people that he caused them to kill and to hate right. or to do wrong things to. Did you want to add to that at all, Jake? So I think um, this continues on with a biblical understanding that the devil, what the devil is trying to do, right? And we see this from Nefarious. Nefarious gave us a really interesting uh, thought in like actually thinking about this, but the devil hates God and we are the creation of God. We are... Yep. We are um, God's people. We are created in God's image. So in turn, the devil hates us. And even though we um, do something that would hurt God, do something that would be against God, we are Cosmic still created reason. in God. Right. We are still created in God's image. So therefore, the, the devil still hates us because we're yeah. still linked to God in that sense. And so especially in this sense, the, the witch hates Edmund um, and she never intended any good for Edmund ever. Right. But Edmund was too blinded by his pride, by his, um, by his, in a sense, gluttony, wanting more, whether it be Turkish delights or, or, um, or to be a prince. Um, so 
he was blinded by that, but and and he couldn't see that. But um, yeah. even so, the he later on in the chapter he asks the queen for more Turkish delights because you know that's what he wants, right. and she instead hands him a bowl of water and stale bread, and and that's that's what he has to eat. That's that's what he gets. Yep. So, and continuing it, along those lines. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Unless you have more to say. No, nothing. No. But we're in the eating food realm. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we're in the eating food realm, so my next quote actually fits perfectly with that. Um, if you'll remember, because if you're listening to this episode, you've read the chapters. Huh? Huh? That was your homework. It's expected of you. That's why we <laughs> lose so many listeners. No. <laughs> um, we get, we keep actually, people quite enjoy our, these episodes. I do. Actually, yeah, the literature episodes are, are doing quite well. Um, but the... The whole um, the whole scene after the, with the thaw and after the curse is beginning to break, Santa, this guy like Saint Nick in this story, gave these animals uh, food, gave them all these different things, gave them you mm-hmm. know this gift, this feast, all of that, right? So that's familiar. And we get to this scene. Um, where the witch says, uh, what is the meaning of all this gluttony, this waste, this self-indulgence? Where did you get all these things? Right. She's, she's mad. And notice what it is that she's mad about. Seemingly, she is mad about the um, idea that these people are being gluttons. They're just eating food like crazy. They're, you're being wasteful. How could you do this? There's, there's so much. Um, there's, there's no frugality here. You're not being frugal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I find that super interesting, especially given the book we last read on the show, which was Angels in the Architecture, right? Talking about feasting, talking about the importance of feasting and joy through food, in medie- especially in the medieval era. And as we talked with Pastor Hansen at the beginning of this, um, the beginning of this month, what we talked about, what he brought up was the fact that, um, you know, C.S. Lewis was a medieval scholar. He was very much immersed in that world of um, medieval Christianity and the medieval world and all of that. And so this, I think, is a jab, not at modernity necessarily, because modernity is chaotic. Modernity is evil. It's just, hey, do whatever you want. There is no truth. Um, Just have fun. But, you know, you're going to die. So get get all your fun in now. It's it's stupidity. It's the epitome of, of arrogance, right? Um, but what we see is a response then from the church to modernity and the church says, Oh, uh, don't be that. So let's pendulum swing in the complete opposite direction. Let's not have any joy. Let's not have any food. Let's not do wine at all. Wine is evil. We've decided, uh, unbiblically (laughs) and all these different things. And it's just like, that's a pendulum swing. That's not biblical. That's just you Mm -hmm. reacting as we heard, uh, what book were we reading talking about we shouldn't be reactionary? Wait, was that Christian nationalism? What book was Might that? Be. Maybe Might it was Confessional County. I don't remember. But anyways, we shouldn't be reactionary. We should be people who say, look, you, you are crazy. Here's my response. Uh, the word of God. What does it say? And that's where we go. Right. That's our answer. Mm-hmm. We're not reactionary. Um, so... I can't help but see this as a jab 
of Lewis at the modern church reacting to modernity and, and saying, no, be frugal, be, you know, <clears throat> we are so important and uh, we will not have joy. We will not have feasting, you know, all that stuck upness, basically. Um, so this is interesting. Very, very interesting part in the book. Anything you wanted to comment on that? We are running short on time, but if you had some quick comments, that'd be cool. No, again, we're otherwise, time. let's go. Otherwise, I will just pass it over to you to chat about chapter 12, Peter's first Ooh. battle. Yeah, this one is very interesting and very, um, really cool in the sense of like it's showing manhood, right? It's showing uh, Peter being a man in the sense yeah. that you you have this scene of uh, of Peter talking with Aslan about things. Uh, I don't know whether it be the battle to come. If they were talking about that, I forget exactly what their conversation was. But nevertheless, there was a conversation between Aslan and Peter between about um, whatever, whatever it be. But while that's happening, there is a wolf, Morgrim. He comes and attacks Peter's sisters. He comes and he's coming into the coming to the stone table where everybody else is and is attacking people is attacking the sisters and everything and peter sees this and he starts running he starts running to help them and and i love this not running away the, <laughs> right right he's not afraid he's in an, instead going to use his use what he has uses his shield and his sword and he's going to defend um the people who are weaker who don't have the the ability to defend themselves, right? Yeah. And what what I really love is the reaction from Aslan with this is that the the rest of the animals are like, oh, let's go and help as well. Let's let's go and, and defend uh, and stop Morgrim. And Aslan is like, no, stay back. Let Peter do this. Let Peter um, defend defend this and fight fight Morgrim back. In a sense, to to kind of teach him as a as a king as yeah. a king of the high king of um of narnia that teaching him what battle is like what battle should be and That's in a sense letting him do that you know i just thought of this but that is a really good example of when we go through trials we go through things in life that are obviously ordained by god mm -hmm. how do we you know how do we deal with that how are we like god couldn't god just step in and, and make it all better but you right. make a really good point. No, he doesn't for a good reason. He does it to make you stronger, to teach you mm -hmm. lessons, to grow you into the person that he needs you to be. Um, so that's that's a really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really cool thought. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Um, anything else? Sorry on, on that. Feel like nope. I inter interrupted. Not okay, on that one. Nope. Cool. Okay, we're moving right along here. This is great. Um, chapter 13. Here we go. Deep magic from the dawn of time. Deep magic from mm -hmm. the dawn of time. Um, this comes up later, this theme of deep magic. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because I think that this was, again, not meant to be an allegory, but Lewis lives in our world. <laughs> but as since he lives in our world, right, he can't help but be impacted by, you know, scripture and all of that. Uh, as a Christian, obviously those things are ingrained in him and, and very much core to who he was, especially as a writer. And so 
what I think he is referring to, or at least indirectly uh, pulling into this, is the idea of the old covenant law, right? This old covenant law that was this um, deeper magic, if you will, at the at the founding of the world, the creation of the world, so ingrained in people, so ingrained in the world that um, even before this law was officially given to people, Cain and Abel knew they had to give sacrifices, right? Like it's so much a part of the world that it's just, they just know we mm -hmm. need atonement because we did what? Because we broke the law. And so this law, this deeper magic has this contract written in stone that says <laughs> written in stone. See the, the matchup there is not lost. And um, it says that the, the traitors deserve this form of punishment, right? And that's owed to them. And so I think that that's really, really interesting. It doesn't mean that that and... law is wrong. It just means that, that that's part of what the world is. And mm -hmm. notice the accuser, as Jacob's yeah. going to bring up later, uses that to her advantage. So, yeah. Did you want me to uh, bring up that instance specifically? You can. Or yeah, you go for it. you have something before then? Uh, um, so... Actually, I... No, I'll go for it. I don't. Because this is this is the chapter that it happens. This is the chapter. Chapter 14. Oh, sorry, yeah. 13. Is where sh uh, the witch comes into the camp, where they are camped uh, at the stone table, and... Um... She is saying that Edmund is a traitor, therefore, according to the old laws, according to the this magic at the uh this uh yeah, this magic, this this law that traitors are to be dealt by her, she is to uh kill the traitor. Right? And so this is that's the law and this is how it's to be done. And in a sense, this is a reminder of Satan being an accuser. This is uh when someone is um when someone commits a sin, they go to hell, right? That's yeah. that. Well, at least, you know, yeah, that's exactly it. When you break yeah. God's law, this is the punishment, right? Well, and now, Satan brings that up. He says, mm -hmm. look what you've done. Yeah. Look, so you can't be in communion with God. Look at what you've right. done. Look at how horrible you right. are. Remember that. Don't yeah. ever forget it and let that affect everything you do. And what happens is we wallow in it, right? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. This is exactly what the uh, the witch is doing. She's accusing Edmund of being a traitor, even though um, things were, it, Aslan literally said to the rest of the siblings that um, we shall not speak of what is past from now <laughs> that on. Was, that was my next quote. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. That, yeah. I will not ruin it. Go ahead. No, that's no, that's great. I mean, that's 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 the turnaround, right? That's the Yes, he is. He does deserve this punishment. Yes, it's horrible. Yes, the accuser, though he is the father of all lies, is not lying in this instance, right? Mm -hmm. But this quote, here is, here is your brother, he said, and there is no need to talk to him about what is past. It's done. It's over. That is obviously super powerful given what we know that's relating to the allegory there, the connection there that's, that's being made in Christ. Um, and I think uh, Toby Sumter, who's a, a preacher out in Moscow, Idaho, does a really good job 
um, showing this as well, talking about not wallowing in your sin, right? And his, his line is, you're not that important, right? Yeah. You're like people who wallow in their sins think way too highly of themselves and they should. And he's like, but here's the good news. You're not that important. <laughs> Your sin is not that important that it's going to rip a hole in the universe. God has forgiven it. He died for it. He lived a perfect sinless life so that you can now put on that righteousness. Move on. It's over. Stop wallowing in it. That's what the devil wants you to do. Move on from it. You put that sin to death and you live differently. Um, and then finally, we have, we have a few minutes left because, um, but this part's really cool. What I really liked was the conversation about this deep magic and, you know, the witch is like, or Aslan say, let's say I have forgotten about it. Um, because mm -hmm. the witch is like, have you forgotten the deep magic? And Aslan's like, uh, let us say I have forgotten it. Tell us of this deep magic. And the witch goes ballistic. She starts like getting so mad that she has to say this because deep down she hates this law. She loves what she, how she gets to use it. She loves that she gets to make people break it. She loves that she gets to kill people and use that. But again, it's not her law. She hates the law. Because it means that there's a standard outside of her. She loves to use it as a tool, but she doesn't love the beauty of it. And she hates it with a passion. Yeah. And, and so we see that in the New Testament too, right? <laughs> the law is not something we should hate and despise. We, like David said, Lord, how I love your law. It's a beautiful blessing to have the law of God, the Ten Commandments, all of it. Um, the curse is that we can't keep it. We sh mm. That's why we're sad. That's why the law brings us pain and sorrow, because we can't keep it. And we wish we could. We wish desperately more than anything that we could. And so that's why Christ had to die. Um, so I think that that's, that's really interesting. Anyways, tell I'll throw this quote in there that was really fascinating about that law, right? About that deeper magic. Tell you tell you what is engraved on the scepter of the emperor beyond the sea. It was that the emperor, this, this is God, the father basically who gave this law to Narnia in the beginning. So I just thought that that was interesting. Okay. Final chapter, Jake, do you want to break that chapter down or just really quick? Well, it's everyone. I, I want to briefly say that in order to, in order to fix this accusation, um, this is very, very similar, uh, if not a direct correlation to what, uh, to Christ dying on the cross. This is Aslan um, becoming the, uh, the sacrifice that the once and for all final sacrifice that he is going to sacrifice his life for Edmund. And, and the, the funniest thing is that the witch takes great pleasure in this, especially if when it's described as to when they when they come to to killing him, that uh, to me to me it is funny not because of what happens, not because they they kill him, but that she in a sense is is um she's rejoicing over a victory that she doesn't have. She's rejoicing over a victory, and this is um, 
very similar to what Bruce likes to quote a lot from uh, from scripture and from Nefarious, that the cross was their biggest mistake. Hmm. Um, yep. That this rejoicing was her biggest mistake. Uh, and we'll leave it with that, uh, probably because you understand the story already. But um, yeah. this, I hope I didn't, didn't uh, spoil the story too much, but I bet I did. No. Um, I think that this but, is a scene that everyone recognizes and is like, oh, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. that book is, right? That This is what they expect, which if that's what you take away from this book, that's great. That's good. That's the core mm-hmm. message. That's the most important part. That's the part that's meant to, to bring you to Christ. That's the part that's meant to show you Christ. Um, and so this, this chapter, the, the darkness of it, the grimness of it, um, is very well stated, very well stated. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't been reading along with us so far, this is the chapter to read. Um, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 14. It's the victory of the witch. That's the, that's the chapter that'll really get you. <laughs> and I yeah. actually, I don't say this often, but I think the movie did a really good job of portraying this as well. Um, just the visual representation of that was actually really good. Really mm-hmm. well done. Um, this one part, this one instance, but <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Cause it was terrible and everything else, but yeah, this yeah. one instance but just the way that Lewis was able to paint this, he didn't have to come up with it himself, but he painted a marvelous story of a true story, the truest in an incredible way. Um, and we're going to end this episode there. It's, it is sad. It's meant to be, but then Tonight, maybe, you'll go and you'll read the next chapter. And hopefully the next three chapters and wrap up this book, because that is what we are going to do next week. Next week is our last week with this book. Um, We were super excited to be walking through this. And um, we're going to be starting the next book after that. So, yeah, any final thoughts, Jake, before we wrap up? I think I'll leave it with that. We'll just leave it with that. Cool. Sounds good. Thank you also so much for joining us, watching or listening. We appreciate it. Find our show website at trdshow.net. That's trdshow.net. We have all of our episodes available there. Highly recommend you check it out. Also send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. That's trdshow, the Reform the Center's show, trdshow at protonmail.com. And uh, yeah, thank you all so, so much for watching and listening. And we will see you on Friday where we have a very special guest joining us. Someone from my church who is going to be discussing Christian sports, adding to our Building a Christian Culture series. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. And we will see you on Friday. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. 